HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. On behalf of everybody at HeritageRadioNetwork.com, we'd like to send a special thank you to the Hearst Ranch our biggest supporter and longest-running sponsor since we first started in 2009. Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the Central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more information, visit www.hurstranch.com. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew. Yeah, that cat is high. No bad look in his eye. Oh, man, he's high. Yes, higher than a kite. That cat is high. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. In the studio today, we have some very special guests. That's not to say that all my guests aren't special. <laughs> but I'm very happy to have in the studio Jill DeGroff, accompanied by some guy. Uh, kidding, Dale DeGroff. So, I am very excited about the new book that you just put out. This is your second volume, right? Um Outside of, outside of the, the bar, there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, um, it tends to be kind of like, uh, kind of like a, a like a clubhouse. You know, like bartenders and and bar culture. And some people think that it's not very inviting at times. Oh no, it's so yeah, some people think that though. But what's cool about what you're doing, uh like if anyone has ever done anything that is so close to the, the bar culture but not being a bartender, it's it's what you're doing. And you do these amazing illustrations and paintings of people on that side of the business, you know, and like these, because there's so many character, uh, character. Oh, and it's great characters. You know, we're all 
pretty silly, and we have <laughs> on both sides of the bar. Yeah, totally. I mean, what's cool about uh, your illustrations too is it it really it showcases the playfulness, but also the seriousness of like to me. That's what I get from you know. It's it's very. Like even you know, like with uh, Frank Cisneros, with uh, with the drawing oh. that you did of him. I mean, it, yeah. he's a goofy guy. Yeah, and his smile, the way you got his smile, you know, it's 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 brilliant. Oh, he cries out for a caricature. <laughs> yeah, so do you. There are there are so many great characters, and um, but when I some faces are just you know, they cry out for caricature, and they're just um, yeah. they're a graphic. Yeah. Frank's a graphic, you know, absolutely, and. Um, but they're, um, I've just been very lucky to be able to meet all these mixologists, this community, uh, the characters you see in New Orleans when, when we all converge at Tales of the Cocktail. And oh, man. That's, I don't know if I want that to be documented anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did, let's, I mean, what was your initial inspiration to start doing the the drawings of all these people? I mean, like, did you did you go to school for it? Was it something you've always just done? I mean, like, um, I I did go to Art Students League, mm-hmm. and I later um, went to. I've always done life drawing classes, and I started drawing mainly on the Seventh Avenue IRT subway. Oh, cool! And when I was a like fifteen years old and. Um, new to Manhattan mm-hmm. and just bewitched by all the different kinds of faces and all the different neighborhoods and living in edgy neighborhoods like the Upper West Side, the Lower East Side, you know. Yeah. Did you, uh, where, I mean, you said when you were new to Manhattan, where did you, where did you come from? I grew up in the suburbs oh. where everybody looked alike. <laughs> <laughs> and the other place that I was always drawing was at bars listening to jazz, um, hanging out with Dale, and um, we spent all those hours in bars, and it was just, I always like to keep my hands busy. Yeah. So, so, I mean, like, that's, to me, I mean, that's one of the, the biggest testaments to at least, you know, the, the, two, the, the two books that you've put out. Like, it's really cool to... I, we all get we all got into bartending because we like hanging out at bars, you know. Yeah. And and we all, I mean, everyone likes hanging out at bars. I mean, how could you not? And there's so many, there's so much life. And for the longest time, I didn't know. I I was giving away the drawings. I'd be sketching them at the bar, and and it was a great way to connect with people. And then I would give them away. And then I guess it was Veronica. We have a crazy friend, Veronica, the Romaniac. And uh, she said, no, don't you give that away. Don't you give that away. And, and actually, that was about the time when, when we were all getting into computers. And, you, and I could actually bring it home, scan it, and email it to people. Mm-hmm. We entered a whole other era. Yeah. And so instead of giving them away, because I always felt like I owe, I owe somebody after I draw their portrait. I want to give them something back. And uh, so I started collecting them, and and I had done hundreds by then, but I had nothing to show for it. And then I, I deliberately started keeping them, scanning them, and but the problem is, how do you put together a book if you don't have any 
you know, a like a storyline. And so I was trying to figure out, well, hmm, you know, how's this going to come together? And, um, you know, and I didn't... And then finally I started getting a story from everybody. Mm-hmm. And... And that sometimes it's real. Oh, it happened when we went to. I uh, tell you when it happened on New Year's Day, we were at McSorley's, I love and that place. and Dale should tell this story because he's really good at telling this story about meeting Matthew Marr. Matthew's a, he's the owner, but <clears throat> he doesn't call himself the owner. He calls himself the caretaker because <laughs> he got the job in a very strange way. He met the owner of Clark's on a. Lonely Road in Ireland, and the owner's Clark's Cadillac had broken down. But I won't get into that whole story. That's how he met him. Years later, let's just say he ended up owning the joint. The Matthew. owner of McSorley's. I'm sorry, McSorley's. Yeah, yeah. I get I get confused. Anyway, <laughs> McSorley's. Uh, uh, Jill's drawing this guy. And she said, "Dale, you got to go ask him for permission to use the drawing because I might use it in a book or whatever." I said, "Okay." So I walk up and. I said, excuse me, sir, uh, my wife's an artist. She's sitting right over there. And she's actually drawn this nice caricature of you, and she might be using it in a book or something, and she thought maybe you would give her permission to do that. I said, ah, no problem. He said, oh, that's great. Thank you very much. And he said, my name is Matthew Meyer, by the way. I own the joint. And I said, you own the joint? I've been coming here since I was 18 years old, and I've wanted to meet the owner. I'm so happy I'm standing next to you. I said, but I have one question for you. All these years I've been coming here, I look at these wishbones that are hanging on the gas <laughs> lamp up there and with all the stalactites of dust hanging yeah. down from them. And I'm wondering, what is that? He said, oh, you don't know. I said, honest, I don't. He says, yeah, I don't know when exactly it started. It maybe the First World War. Not sure. But, uh, you know, when the fellows went off the floor from the neighborhood here, they'd bring in a wishbone, they'd hang it up there. And when they come back, they'd break it for good luck. And, well... These are the fellows that didn't come back. Oh, yeah. And I said, wow. And from that moment on, I've referred to that kind of neighborhood community joint as having surroundings of substance, because how can you create that? That just is. Yeah, that just happens. (laughs) You you can't make that up. Oh, but the rest of the story. We said, so I said, so how do you get into this business anyway? And he said, ah, no, you don't want to hear that, you know. <laughs> and I said, oh, no, please tell us. And, he, and then he launches into this wonderful story. Oh, it was a dark and stormy night, and I was <laughs> torn up in, in here. And, in Ireland. Know. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he started telling the story of how he met the owner of McSorley's. Um, he, they, they got into like a fender bender. And uh, and this guy jumped out of the car. And Matthew was a commercial and, driver yeah. driving a meat truck. Yeah. Oh, wow. Guy jumped out of the car, and he um, and Matthew was behind him, and he jumped into Matthew's car. Anyway, it's in the first book how he tells it, and word for word, and uh, they end up realizing they're from the same little hometown in Ireland, and they get on a bender for like three days together. <laughs> and all the meat in the back of the truck meat rots. spoils, right? <laughs> That's awesome. And by the, you know, by the end of the three days, you know, the guy says, hey, if you, you know, if you ever come to New York, stop, stop in McSorley's. I own the joint. And, and Matthew was going to become a sheep herder. In Australia. Yeah, in Australia. <laughs> He so said, I'll stop on the way. 
Yeah, so wait a minute. <laughs> he had a family where Sheepherd is in Australia, and he said, I'm going through New York. I'll stop on the way, remember? Why was he going through New York? Because that's where he had to fly to Australia. <laughs> he was going to New York first. <laughs> and he never made it to Australia. Long story He never short. left. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That was 1969. And when the old man was uh, on the way out, he said to Matthew, who, Matt, who worked, had, by then had worked his way through every job in McSorley's from mopping the floors, the bartender. He says, so Matthew, what do you want to do? And Matthew said, well, I kind of like to own a joint like this. He said, I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> it's yours. <laughs> it's yours. <laughs> he didn't have to, like, no, no money change. That's how things happened, honest to God. Wow. Yeah. That's Well, that's by, by that time, he had been working there for 35 years. Oh, well, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's sweat equity. That's like a really long sweat equity job. <laughs> That's awesome, and like I, I love stories like that, and this is one of my favorite reasons why I like it. And I realized I had to get a story from everybody. Yeah, yeah. Not always so easy, though. You know? Yeah, some yeah. Sometimes people don't don't give their yeah. story. To die in art storytelling. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, which is why I actually I, I love doing this radio show because I get everyone's story. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, and so like, and it's really cool that uh, we have that visual that you're doing to go along with these things. You know. Yeah. Um, who are Who are some of your favorite storytellers behind it? Besides, besides old Irish the, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Dale. Dale's a champion storyteller. Uh, Gary Reagan. You know, every, the people who who. Um, I mean, Dale used to be a real carouser. He never came home. And <laughs> you don't have to get into all those stories. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so the people he used to hang out with, I mean, they were, they were all such champion storytellers. John Molinari, oh, my God. And um, so it was, you know, the, some of these guys who, who love bars, and they love bars not, beca- not only because they love drinking, but they also love to spin a good yarn. Yeah, and it's it's not always just about the drink. I mean, not it's about all. the environment. It's about everything. Camaraderie. Yeah, you know, the camaraderie. You know, the I I, I just started uh, rewatching uh, Cheers because it just became available. The entire series became available on Netflix, so I've been watching <laughs> Cheers again. I remember watching it growing up, like, but it's it's so cool, like the. That whole like it, you could basically sum up like the whole like camaraderie and the just the feeling of being in that kind of atmosphere in like the first episode and yeah. it's it's just a, it's such a cool thing to be able to do that you know yeah and that's where I've met most of my friends <laughs> right and, and most of my friends work at those bars <laughs> and the best storytellers are people who've really lived varied life and worked in lots of different places, lived in different places. You know, Michael Waterhouse is another person who comes to mind. And when he and Angela and and Dale get together, they are shooting the stories such interesting... Michael, by the way, was the owner of Dylan Prime down at Tribeca for many, many years. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Hey, I've been curious about this. How did you two meet? Was it one of these situations? (laughs) You can tell the story. (laughs) Oh... You know, I was going to email you and say, like, what kind of questions are you going to ask me tomorrow? No, we're just talking. This this is the cool thing about this show is, like, it's basically what we would do if we were sitting at a bar right now. It's the exact conversations. We just have microphones. Dale and I met in Hollywood. 
And the oh. introduction... I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the introduction to, that, to my first book tells that whole funny story, and it's a really funny story because... Um, Dale, why don't you tell it? Oh, you tell it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going to be battling, you know, back and <laughs> forth. Um, I moved. I moved to Los Angeles, and I had uh, three hundred dollars in my pocket and a and a backpack, and and um, and I met just you know too many weird characters in in Los Angeles. Oh yeah. And um, tell us about so, a couple of those weird characters. Oh. oh. Um. Don't be shy. <laughs> Tell us about everything. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I so I had to get out where I was. You know, for a while I stayed at the Hollywood Y, and um, and then I found a place in North Hollywood, and and this guy ended up, um, you know, and I was I was working at Scholastic Books. I was oh. a paste up artist, and. I didn't realize you needed a car to live in L.A. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was commuting an hour and a half by bus, by three different buses, to Culver City, you know, working at Scholastic Books, and I come back, and after a while I realized that, that this guy who I was renting the, the, his like back little house garage for, from, he was a pimp, and his girls were using my apartment. Oh my you know, god! While I was at work all day. Oh my god! And so this is Wasn't the kind of thing. For that either. <laughs> then I started looking for an apartment, and I put I put an ad in the recycler, which is their their little rag yeah, there, yeah. you know. And uh, so I'm going to tell about Sonny. Oh, Sonny! Sonny lived in North Hollywood. He was the lad. He was from St. Louis, and and he was this. Um, he, he was a stuntman. He would teach stuntmen. He was old Hollywood. He had, he had the last ranch left over. He he was up there over at Kittredge and uh, middle uh, of the valley, a full yeah, ranch, which was wow. now suburbia. Yeah. But but he still had a ranch, and all, <laughs> and with his horses and and he even he taught Madeline Mon, uh, Marilyn Monroe how to how to ride. Oh wow! Uh, for the for that. <laughs> Film she did with uh, Robert Mitchum and and you know you know yeah. that film right yeah help me out here. misfits thank yeah. you <laughs> thank you uh, and so I you know I was just doing odd jobs when I got there and and I saw that ad in the recycler and he was looking for a horse somebody horsey to to um, help with clean out the stables and so I worked all different jobs when I got to Hollywood and then recycler seemed to be like the place where you, you could survive and meet people and find some place to live and uh john sunny that was his name and the reason you left dale you know we don't have to get into everything because i chased you all around the crowd honey public radio (laughs) um and so then i put an ad (laughs) put an ad we can talk about it whatever you want All (laughs) all right so i put in an ad looking for a female roommate because it just got, you know, first I was looking for a roommate, and then you get people saying, oh, you know, I, got, I have a room, and, um, and they would have, like, one room, one bedroom. That was it. And, and I'd be looking, and there were, you know, there was the, the Iranian, you know, who was, um, like, the nephew of the Shah of Iran, and make, 
your wildest dreams come true. You get everybody answering your ad. Oh, man. And calling in the middle of the night. And, you know, then I was... Um, and then finally, I found an ad, and it was a great big apartment in Hollywood, you know, two-bedroom, and called Dale. And I thought Dale was a woman, so I called, and, and I, that's how I met Dale. And, and uh, he seemed rather normal because he was in New York. And after a while, you figure out how to find the New Yorkers because they carry books and they don't, they don't have a they don't have a suntan and they use words like existentialism and, and so I met Dale I came to check out the apartment and he had a girlfriend and that was a godsend so you know and he um, he was a really cool guy struggling actor and he had another there was a second little bedroom for me to rent that's how I met Dale nice and we were really good friends for several months, and and uh, and then after a while, his girlfriend left and went as foolish. She was so foolish. I mean, God bless her. God bless her. She made my life. She had a. She owned a house that she returned to, and for that house, she gave up the greatest thing that ever came into my life. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Um, so we'll file that whole thing under the category of <laughs> even the dumb people are smart in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really great. I mean, like just exactly what we're talking about. You know, it it takes uh, all like walks of life to you know like people that have done so many different things and gone so many places, like you were just saying before, to tell a great story and to be a character and. You're one of my favorites, <laughs> and you Thank just you told Damon. me a great. You guys have been telling me great stories. Um, you know, uh, we're about halfway through the show, oh, so, <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we get back, we'll speak more to uh, Jill DeGroff and Del DeGroff. Hear that lonesome whippoorwill. He sounds too blue to fly The midnight train is whining low I'm so lonesome I could cry I've never seen a night so long When time goes crawling by the moon just went behind the clouds To hide its face and cry Thank you. 
silence of a falling star lights up a purple sky and as i wonder where you are i'm so lonesome i could cry All right, we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy. Today, my guests are Jill DeGroff and her husband, Del DeGroff. And we were just talking about uh, so many things, actually. We were just telling stories back and forth and talking about, like, characters. 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 Yeah. Um, so, when we left the show, uh, we were talking about, right before the break, uh, how you guys met in L.A., uh, what brought you back to New York? Oh, family. Yeah. Family. Um, actually, uh, a few different things happened. Dale was working at the Hotel Bel Air, and things started changing very radically over there. It it went from a lovely, um, intimate little bar. Um, it became corporate-owned. and. Ah. And the oh, Dale needs to be part of this. Dale, we're talking about the Hotel Bel Air and how it changed hands. And Joe, what was Joe's last name? Uh, Drown, Joe Drown. Joe Drown. Joe Drown. Um, because Damon asked me how we came to leave L.A. and return to New York, and it was a bunch of things. It was your job changing, and Bud Bud Herman, (laughs) yeah, Bud Herman passing passing away. Yeah, Bud was a was a twenty year veteran behind in that room, the, the lounge at the Hotel Bel Air. Had played with Benny Goodman, was a great player, and he was just one of these great people that brought people together. And uh, and when he died, the room changed, and I just didn't want to be there anymore. So there was a chance of doing a bar up in San Francisco, but I couldn't get a job. So we wanted to see family. We both and we started making babies. We we didn't yeah. want to raise our kids in in L A. Yeah, who would? Because they'd be like talking like. No. People talk like, no. you know, like this. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I apologize to oh, yeah, yeah, our no, Los Angeles no, listeners. Think, no, L.A. is totally different now. But back but back then, um, the schools were not good. And and we, like I said, we didn't have any family around. And, and we, we still had grandparents back east, and we wanted them to grow up. Um, no, that was a really that was not fair at all. What I said about L.A. <laughs> Don't worry about um, it; they deserve it. <laughs> no, go, continue. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I just put you're my foot in done. my mouth. I'm done. <laughs> no, no, you're not. No, done. I, I, but one of the things I really like out of the many things I like about you guys is that uh, you know. You've created like a family business out of this industry, you know. You've, I mean, I haven't, I haven't really like spent any time with Blake, but I've, I've uh, talked to Leo several times, and I've had drinks from with all of you. <laughs> um, and I think it's really cool. And I, you know, something, Damon. Very important thing, you when know? you're growing up and you open up your refrigerator and there's nothing but booze, and then you go to the food cabinet, there's nothing but booze. <laughs> <laughs> you, you start learning, <laughs> and you learn yeah. how to you learn how to work with that. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so you got back to New York, started getting uh, into the. Uh, I mean, like outside of like the stories about Dale that I know about, like uh, doing the Rainbow Room and everything, like. I, Oh, you, you don't know just, the half of it. <laughs> I don't. I don't. That's why you. That's why you're talking to me right now. But um, but I was wondering, like, this is kind of a weird question. But hey, we were talking about how you got started drawing uh, in in bars and stuff. But like, I was thinking the other day about this bar on the uh, on the like Lower East Side. Um, it's called uh, Jimmy's Number Forty Three. It's uh, actually uh, one of the other hosts on one of the other shows here, uh, Beer Sessions with, uh, with Jimmy. Um, but in that bar, and this is no in no way related to your style of artwork. I, this I is wish different. I'd been there. I it's it's cool. It's underground. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's cavernous. And it's it's really cool. But what they do is they have like people go in there and they they draw pictures of like deer. And they post them on the wall, but I was just like, for some reason, it just snapped up in my head. I was wondering, like, has anyone ever drawn a picture of you and given it to you? I mean, I, I would imagine at this point. Oh, not in years. No. Did you do you ever do any like self portraiture, or on the back of my book? That's it. I mean, I because I, I I want to draw a picture of you. <laughs> good, good. I hope you will. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this bourbon in my hand for now, but I will draw one of you. Fantastic. Later. Actually, I are you like, an artist? I'm I'm a guitar player, uh, and I used to I used to do graphic design. And, no kidding. Okay. But uh, but as far as drawing, it was always like scribbling. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, yeah, but I think uh, I think there's this old thing. Even, well, going in with the, the whole guitar playing thing is like, as far as um, even like old country music, there is uh, an old tradition, and you can read about this in in all kinds of uh, biographies about different country artists. Like, if they really respected another artist, they would give them the guitar. Like Johnny Cash gave his to uh, Bob Dylan, you know, and. I kind of feel that way about like visual artists, you know. It's like if you really respect someone, you should give them. I better start carrying a whole bunch of extra pens and paintbrushes. <laughs> I mean, well, do you actually do you carry like your whole repertoire, like the, your mise en place? So oh, to speak? everything, everything, everything is yeah. portable. Yeah, nice. Um, and I have my pads and my my pens and pencils, and I even have a little watercolor thing in my backpack there oh, cool. um but um uh like i said i i used to always give away my drawings and now i want to take them home scan them first then I'll, I'll, keep the originals um yeah but sometimes i end up giving away the originals <laughs> i still do some very, of that you're a very sometimes it's, gracious person if i've that. put in many many hours on it which often happens then you know want to keep it yeah um it's only understandable and but has anybody drawn me? Not in a long, long time. No. Well you gotta stop hanging around saloons, honey. Right. People don't <laughs> draw in saloons. Um well, that, that oh. brings up an oh go ahead. Um oh one thing there uh do you know Nicole Jessamine? Rum rum room room. Oh yeah, yeah. 
she is an extremely talented uh, painter. You know that, right? Yeah. And we've been, often we get together and we get uh, different people like Jordana from Time Out New York. Love and, that girl. Oh, my God. She, and, and, Talk uh, about a character. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> Abigail. And mm-hmm. we, so we've been drawing together and, um, well, painting together. And we get, we get models over to the Rum Rum Room and we're having such a, great time doing that get him drunk you know what i mean eh? (laughs) (laughs) yeah joe will come home and start making drinks and nice and you just did they uh, still have that crazy parrot oh two of them yeah two yes i've only seen the one or three well one's very quiet one's very loud (laughs) but you're talking about sheena i yep yep yep. yeah (laughs) and that's a great place too well the thing about the two of you drawing together is nicole is a classicist I mean, she's, we're talking, you know, Rembrandt-style portrait. Oh, my God. She's also a caricature. So the two are so uniquely, you know, special to their own talents. So it's really fun to see the two together. Yeah, totally, man. (laughs) The results of the same pose and the same person. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, I can only assume that you're going to ask me to be your next model. <laughs> I'd love that. Yeah, I we, would. I would not. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no, no. And then, you know, do however I have to be you want. No, 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 no. You oh, don't okay. have to be well, naked. I'll totally do it. <laughs> and and it's actually really fun because um, the costumes that you know the people in our industry wear that how they dress and uh, Frankie is another person we're dying to draw. You know, you just have so so I mean, much more. You mean it's going to be like a stick figure? <laughs> Do you know? Fra- no, no, no. Frankie the woman. Frankie. Oh, Frankie Marshall. Frankie Marshall. Oh, I thought Thank you were talking you. about Frankie Frank Cisneros. <laughs> we always call we call him Frankie Cocktails, but that joke would have gone over much better. <laughs> we would have been on the same. Page. Oh, but it's so much Sorry, richer Frankie. when when we're getting these people in in the way they dress and the way Abigail dresses and. Um, And no life drawing class can give me what I get from these mixologists. That's the thing. I get very bored in life drawing class because they're, you know, I I do love anatomy. And um, but actually, you know, the drawing classes, you get a lot of old fat people (laughs) because. um, Well, let me not even get into that. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong. I love big people. Boy, here's I just keep putting my foot in my mouth. I I love big people, <laughs> and so. But like, what I'm saying is like that when people when people are naked, when when I'm doing when I'm studying anatomy, I, I do want to uh, do a, a build that will show me the bone structure. That's what I'm trying to say, and um, and I do love drawing people in all shapes and sizes, but the people in who the models are getting in the life drawing class, they're just not. As interesting as what know you their find, story, you know, and that I think that's like right. most of your inspiration right. is like understanding like where these people like what yes, they I do want to see like them in their, their story and right, their environment. In their niche. Yeah, exactly. Totally. You can't just like sit in a room with a bunch of other people. Exactly. It, that's it, not, you know like you know like uh, just a, a some classroom. It's or antiseptic, like yeah. right? Yeah, it's not interesting. Like we were talking about before, it's a thank you. you. Know, the whole that's what it is. The they are idea. very interesting people, but they're yeah. not. They're thrown into this dry environment, and you don't know anything about them anyway. Exactly. Yeah. That's what's so cool about like what what you're doing with these uh, with these caricatures is that it, it's it's really kind of you can actually as an artist 
bring in you can like breathe it in you know what's going on like the environment and, and i do my best they're the ones who are making it happen actually oh. you know you're making they are the yeah totally i mean they are but yeah. you're doing the the awesome art thank you <laughs> and okay um unfortunately i mean we're, we're getting we're getting kind of short on time but um I want to talk real quick. Do you have Do you have a website that people can check out? Thank you. Uh, Saloonartist.com. Awesome. And the name of my book is, is Lush Life Portraits from the Bar. And you can buy it at saloonartist.com. And may I just mention the Museum of the American Cocktail? Absolutely. Museumoftheamericancocktail.org. It's my favorite tiny book. And we have some <laughs> fabulous uh, presentations coming up. Fabulous mixology presentations, and including Dale is doing a presentation um, October fifth at the Cornelia Street Cafe. I want to talk about okay. Cool. If we if we have to like run a little long, I don't think it's a problem. But okay. I just want to. I've been wondering like what is the significance of the Cornelia Street Cafe to you guys? Because the, like three out of the five times that I've gotten to hang out with you guys, it's been at the uh, Cornelia Street Cafe. You see, Robin Hirsch is the only person who tolerates us. <laughs> <laughs> it's the oldest sort of cabaret. It's 39 years old on that little tiny one block long street, Cornelia on, Street. On, where on Mario, by, by the way, Mario Poe started his career on that street. Uh, David Page, home restaurant, home cookbook, started his career on that on that same little street. Uh, but Cornelia Street Cafe has been there a long, long time, and they've had everybody from um, uh, Amram, what's his name, the musician. Uh, everybody's been in there. Bob Dylan's been in there. Everybody's been in that little space. That, I mean, that was Bob Dylan's old stomping grounds. It's like a great. Junk. It's a great little. Basement like cabaret. Jones, kind of that area. He's had scientists doing lectures in there. He has everything: storytellers, poets, writers, artists. It's just a cool little spot. So that was one of. I mean, that was one of your, or it still is one of your favorite uh, favorite haunts. Only lately, because when I lived in New York, uh, in Manhattan, all those years since 1969, it was not one of my stops. I found it late in life, and I'm, I'm, I'm in love with it. The reason I found it is because the major d at the Rainbow Room who whose husband owned another great saloon on the west side that writers uh, hung out in. Uh, she actually helped Robin open a joint in Brooklyn uh, uh, in, in Park Slope that he still owns, but didn't turn out to be what they wanted it to be. And that's how I met Robin. I went out to do a little consulting for him at that place, just helping him out with the bar slightly. And then we went back to his other place, and Jill got a... And he hangs art. He hangs art. Yeah. And, and that's how Jill got involved with him, because she right. hung her art in there. Well, yeah. Robin Hirsch... The, the owner, proprietor, is such a wonderful, interesting character. And and uh, I did a portrait of him, and that's a, then I showed it to him, and he said, how did you do that? <laughs> He's a good guy. Uh, and it was Dave Amran who, 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 once a year for I don't know how many years, has appeared at the Corning Street Cafe, one of my favorite musicians who plays every instrument known to man, including African, South African, Indian instruments. He's just an incredible musician. Wow. He plays there all the time. Do you guys ever uh, do any music together? Because I know I, I know Dell's she been. Plays piano? I'm not a musician. Yeah, she plays piano behind me when I'm singing sometimes. Oh, I'm a two fingered piano player. Well, that's how I type. Just the right two fingers, yeah. though. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was wondering that because Dell's been playing a lot more. Like, I know he's been playing more music lately. Like the last time, actually, the last time I saw you guys at uh, Cornelia Street Cafe, um, Dell played a couple songs on guitar and. 
Right. I, I didn't know if you guys had ever like collaborated. <laughs> no, I'm not. Any I'm duets? not a musician, but right now Dale is working with a very talented musician. Yeah, I'm doing this thing called On the Town, and 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 I hi- I actually hired a, a real guitar player named Jill Perry, who used to play next to me at the bar at the Rainbow Room, nice. to be my accompanist. Cool. Do you mm-hmm. want to play something for us right now? Oh hell, why don't we? Cool. <laughs> I'll pick up a guitar with you. Let's do it. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, actually, I'll do it. I'll do uh, I'll do Lulu because you, yeah, you, you mentioned it before, and it's it's a lot uh, more familiar to me. <laughs> Go for it. Gotta get my old tuxedo pressed. Gotta sew a button on my vest because tonight I got to look my best. Lulu's back in town. Gotta get a half a buck somewhere. Gotta shine my shoes and slick my hair Gotta get myself a boutonette Lulu's back in town You can tell all my pets All my blondes and brunettes Mr. D. Gruff regrets Oh yeah, he won't be around You can tell the mailman not to call I won't be home until the fall And I might not be back home at all Lulu's back in town Oh yes, Lulu's back in town Uh-huh, Lulu Bo-ba-da-dee's back in town Ba-da-dee-da-da-ba Oh yeah Nice Nice Very cool very cool. All right, man. You and I, we're going to have to... Uh, my, my, my band's actually putting out our album right now, so... Yeah. Why weren't you playing just then? I, I thought you were joining in, man. I'll, I'll play a song with you. <laughs> well, yeah, two of you. Oh, let's, right. do, let's do Hank. Hank. Hank Williams, too. Hank Williams? I yeah. totally yeah. Hank Williams. You ready? Uh, we're going G. Oh, G no, no, I'm starting off in, uh, in G7, then I'm going to go back to C. It's, I'm doing it in C. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Your cheating heart will make you weep. You'll cry and cry and try to sleep, but sleep won't come the whole night through. Your cheating heart will tell on you. Sing along. When tears come down Like falling rain You'll toss around And call my name You'll walk the floor The whole night through Your cheating heart Will tell on you your cheating heart will pine someday. You tossed hell, you tossed away, and love won't come, and you'll be blue. Your cheating heart will tell on you. 
That was fun. Uh, I haven't played that one in a while, so I'm a little rusty. <laughs> I was too, but it was good fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you guys how much fun I've had on the show today and how awesome it's been to have you on, Jill, Thank as well you, as you, Del. And uh, that's the first time I think I've ever played a song on the show. Cool. With, with anybody. I, that's a <laughs> More of it. More of it. You're good, It's like the 35th episode. I can't, I can't remember. I'm losing yeah. track. But uh, it's been one of my absolute personal favorites. Um, sorry, everyone else. <laughs> Do you have a theme song that you end, the song, that you end it with? Um, Can I bring you out on music yeah. if you don't? Yeah. If you want to play us out. I'll bring you out. All right, cool, man. Thank you, Damon. It's been a Jill, pleasure. I can't wait to uh, I can't wait to hang out after this and have some pizza at Roberta's. <laughs> um, it's been really uh, my pleasure, and uh, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Um, thanks, and I hope you come back sometime. We will. Now, now that you know where it is. <laughs> All right, Dale, play us out. Jada. Jada, 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 Jing, 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 Jada, 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 Jing, Jing, Jing. That's a funny little bit of melody. It's so soothing and appealing to me. It goes Jada, oh Jada. Jada, jada, jing, jing, jing. Oh, yes. Jada, jada, jing, jing, jing. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Speakeasy. We got Jill and Del DeGroff in the studio. See you next week. This is a message from Fork and Anchor. Aaron Fitzpatrick, the host of our wine program, Unfiltered, is looking for help on Kickstarter to open Fork and Anchor, a general store inspired by two food-loving ladies with an equal affection for urban life, the sea, and the agricultural paradise of Long Island's North Fork. The store is situated in a growing community of farmers and winemakers and will become a meeting place offering prepared foods, a variety of sun-dries, and a selection of homespun products, many of which will have their origins in New York State. Your backing will help them fulfill their dream of fostering relationships with the community and making the local food system accessible on a broader scale. Search kickstarter.com for Fork and Anchor and donate today. Every spring at the end of kidding season, goat dairies across the country are faced with the question of what to do with their male bucklings. Because on a dairy farm, there's no role for a male. Often the most economical thing for these farmers to do is to cull the animals at birth or ship them off to the commodity market. Heritage Foods USA is embarking on a new project, No Goat Left Behind, looking to step in and fill this niche by creating a marketplace for these male bucklings. Visit us at www.heritagefoodsusa.com to learn more and to reserve your goat this coming October.